Father in heaven, thank you for this time we have together. Thank you for your word to us. Please, would you by your spirit come and and, uh, do all of those things that we need so desperately for you to do that only you can do. Um, Help us to to know you better and and transform us graciously uh, more into the image of your dear son our Lord Jesus, and in his name we pray. Amen. So this is, uh, this is Jesus calming the storm today. Classic, classic passage. And the reason I chose it, because when I asked if, if you, know, you wanted me to, to speak on anything, the answer was you speak on what you want. And, um, and, and I've been reading on repeat this particular little passage with my son because uh, he, he quite likes it. And, and there's good reason, isn't there, why he quite likes it. It's, it's got all the things in a passage that uh, a young fella would like. Big waves, strong wind, all that sort of fearful kind of stuff that we, we like to watch from a distance but, but not so much close up. It's like, um, it's like going to the zoo uh, and, and beholding the, the big cats Wonderful, awesome, different if you're in the cage. All of a sudden what was awesome is now bone-freezingly terrifying. and That's a little bit like this passage, I think. We read it and it is awesome. But, but it was a serious, a serious episode and, uh, and a serious storm. I mean, Luke even says, in fact, I'll read it. How about, how about I do that? This is Luke chapter 8 from verse 22. One day he got into the boat with his disciples. He said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased and there was a calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and they marvelled saying to one another, who then is this? that he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. A couple of amazing questions it would seem in that passage. The first one is, where is your faith? Really, Jesus? Where is your faith? How about a bit of credit? We, the, the water was coming in. Luke even says they were in danger. It was perilous. Where is your faith? How can he do that? How could he ask that? And another question, the very end there, which which stands out more than any of the others, who then is this? Who is he? Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? What was the rest of the trip like, do you think? After the calm had set in, and they continued their way. Just imagine what the rest of the trip was like. Do you think they spoke? 
I imagine it was just silent. I imagine Jesus probably put his head back down and they all just marvelled the fearful kind of awe that had gripped them. Who is this that even the wind and the waves? Um, it was a serious incident, uh, a serious episode. It's and 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 there are no heroes, are there? Like it, I, I've, I just came back from camping with a, grunch, a, a, a bunch of, of um, friends. You know, if there's one thing you know, or you ought to know about guys, <coughs> you know, in one way, shape, or form. All of us are trying to be the hero in any situation. You know, it's, sometimes it's subtle, other times not so subtle, but it's, you know, um, and, and if there's a group of guys together, it's, it, takes, it takes a lot in an incident or an episode for everybody to freak out as one. It takes a lot. In any other kind of incident one or more would stand up and take charge. Don't wake Jesus up. Let me handle this. Good grief, we can do this. But here, they are all in one mind. Two things that, that I, want, I reckon we ought to notice um, as, we, as we sort of launch. Firstly, the disciples did go to Jesus. That's important. That's faith. They did go to Jesus. Amen. That's good. And actually in the Greek here, in, in, in Luke's Gospel, when Jesus says, where is your faith? He's not saying you don't have any faith. He's saying your faith is deficient. Your faith is, is, is incomplete. There's something wrong with it. So they're the two things I think are really key for us today. And I, and I think it helps us to see that the disciples there are a lot more like us than we perhaps think they are. They went to Jesus... However, the faith with which they went to Jesus was lacking. That's interesting. But the fact that the disciples responded the way they did is, is, is confirming of the fact that they didn't get who exactly they were dealing with in the boat. Prophet, yes. Man of God, yes. Great teacher, yes. Miracle worker. Even Messiah, yes. Divine, God, not quite there yet. Not quite there. And, and isn't it amazing, isn't it an amazing picture, just as, as an aside, the condescension of God here. You know, usually people in high places with great authority and distinct, they, they demand respect and, and, and a, a, um, a fitting approach to their dignity or else heads will roll. True? Usually people in higher state or high authority demand that well, Jesus, regardless of, of their, their approach and that it wasn't fitting with who he was, he still stands up and acts immediately. He responds immediately to their, their ill-fitting uh, approach to who he really was. He deals with their issue. That's, that's an important point for us as we, as we go further. But it also begs the question, what, what, what do you think they expected him to do? Do you ever think that? They wake him up. They know they want him to do something. When he does the thing that presumably they at some level want him to do, 
I can't believe he's done it. What exactly were they expecting him to do? Interesting. I don't think they quite knew. And it's true, isn't it? You and I, we read a passage in an episode like this with the knowledge that we have about, about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and, and we, we imagine how we would respond differently. True? We know he's the Son of God. We get it. We've got 2,000 years of Christian history behind us. We've, we stand on the shoulders of giants in that sense. We, we, we understand. We might even be asleep with him in the boat. Probably would. Probably need it. But here's a question for us. Not, 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 not all of us, few of us, perhaps none of us will ever be in this kind of a scenario out on the water with sheer winds coming down. Lake Galilee, which sits some 700 feet below sea level, so the wind comes roaring in and they do get storms. But nonetheless, what is my approach to the Lord when my circumstances are beyond me? What is my approach? What's the, what's the, what's the posture of my heart at that point? Is, is, he, is he everything but the Almighty? Do, do you see what I mean? Is he, is he great teacher, comforter? Is he the if he is the Almighty and we approach him as the Almighty, that, that changes the, the nature of our approach to him. Does that make sense? That that means that the way we approach God when circumstances are beyond us is a very certain kind of a way. Is my appeal, my prayer to God consistent with the one who I'm praying to? Is it consistent with who he is? Think about that. They went to Jesus. They did the right thing. But they didn't They didn't come with the faith they ought to have come with. Well, when we go to Jesus, when we get on on our knees and when we make that decision, which is a good decision to make, are are we at that point speaking out of the kind of faith that is fitting with regards to who we're praying to? That's a good question to ask. And we might think that if, if, if only we had Jesus in our boat, so to speak, if, if Jesus were, were with us as he, was, as he was with the disciples, if, if he walked with us, then that would be, that'd be the clincher to a fear-free life that I want to live. If I just had Jesus here with me and knew, and knew what, what I needed to know about Jesus, then, then I'd be able to walk through life and, and, and give him the kind of faith that he deserves, being the Almighty. At that, but... But that's not going to happen. So what do we do? What do we do then if we want to approach at every point the God we love, the Almighty, with the kind of faith that is fitting for somebody speaking to the Almighty so that he wouldn't say to us, where is your, where is your faith? Where's the, where's, the, where's, the, where's the real stuff? Where's the true faith? Come on, where is it? You're lacking something there, Joe. 
what do we need? If we can't draw on that kind of experience in the face of life's perils and the fears common to everybody, what do we have if we want to exercise the real faith, the true faith, the God-pleasing faith at every point? And here, Peter uh, is, is helpful. I'm just going to flick over and read from Second Peter. Peter says this, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honour and glory from God the Father and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain. He's talking about the Mount of Transfiguration. So do you see his point here? He's trying to persuade his readers. We, we, we didn't make this, this, this stuff up. We were there. We've got, we, we, it's all flesh and blood to us. We can tell you for a fact. However, he goes on and says, yet we have something more sure. The prophetic word to which you would do well to listen to as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, I could tell you stories about this Jesus. I could, I could, I could, I could blow you away with these experiences that I had, this, this Jesus who I heard with my ears and touched with my hands. And, but I've got something more sure for you. The prophetic word that we have the prophets, the apostolic tradition, this word as it's interpreted by us, the apostles, this word that we have, this ju- that is, that is the apex, the rock of rocks in terms of the faith you need. You want something to hold on to? Here it is. That's huge. That's huge. The implications of what Peter is saying there are massive this dusty old book, this dusty old word, this is something more sure than any experience on any mountain, glorious as it was. Now, if we go back to the passage where we were, where has the Lord spoken? Where's the Lord spoken in this passage? Where's he spoken? Someone tell me. The rebuke, yes, Absolutely. Where else? Yes. What did he say? Where's your faith? What else did he say? Let us go over to the other side of the lake. That's interesting. That's really, really, really interesting. I would say that is key almost to the rest of this passage. When a mathematician starts speaking about maths, you lean in a little bit, don't you? True? Perhaps not. Perhaps you block your ears. When an F1 driver starts talking about what it's like to go fast, you lean in a bit. When an SAS commander starts talking about combat, you lean in a little bit. That coming from this person, I want to hear what they have to say. Well, when Jesus starts telling you about things he's going to do, you would do well to lean in a little bit. 
at the point that Jesus said to his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. He was telling them something that he was going to do. They were going to cross over to the other side. That was happening. They proceeded to get into the boat. Jesus proceeded to put his head down. He'd said the word. They were off. Even on the Mount of Transfiguration, didn't the Father from the clouds say, this is my dear Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to this guy. Whatever he says. Well, when Jesus starts talking about things he's going to do, lock it in. Lock it in. No matter how seemingly insignificant it is, he was on a course and nothing was going to change that. You know, some, some people might say, you might have heard it said, the antidote to fear is faith. Have you heard that? And, amen, I, I, think, that's, I, think, that's an abs- I think that's true. I reckon you could almost more, um, or at least at the same level say, the antidote to the wrong kind of fear is the right kind of fear. Antidote to the wrong kind of fear in the face of storms and perils is the right kind of fear. If these disciples had comprehended who this guy was prior to getting on the boat and therefore the words coming out of this guy's mouth being the very words of God, that they trembled before the words of this man, I suspect they wouldn't have been scared like they were in the face of the storm. If you tremble at the right place, you're not likely to tremble where you ought not tremble. Does that make sense? It's a little bit like being in your bedroom and a wasp comes in. When the wasp comes into the room and you're distracted and you want it out, But if a lion was to walk in, how quickly would you forget about the wasp? The wasp all of a sudden becomes insignificant. Now you've got a bigger fear. Fear the Lord. Tremble at his word. Know the one you're engaging with at this point. Know the one speaking to you. Now, could I just say, as a side, I haven't got this perfect. Good grief. Here I am saying these things. You better believe... There are times where I do not tremble at this, the way I ought to tremble at this. I hope that's clear. I hope you don't hear me saying, tremble at this. And if you don't, no, I haven't got it right. I'm, I'm, I'm working on that every day. But the antidote to the wrong kind of fear is the right kind of fear. Here's the question for us then, in light of all of this. What has God promised? What has he said he's going to do? There you are in your life. There you are with your circumstances. There you are with threats either side. Paul said, I die every day. Well, we're not Paul, but we live in a world that's not warm to Christ. Amen? Well, in the world we live in, what has God promised? Because whatever he's promised, you can guarantee he will do. Say that again. He will never forsake. When he says, 
And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Put it in the bank. That does something to your fear. That ought to do something to your trepidation. Paul said this to Timothy, and I won't be too much longer. Paul said this, If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Some people hear something like that and they go, Yikes, really? I don't feel so good about that kind of a, really? If we are faithless, he remains faithful. That's not to us, that's to himself. For he cannot deny himself. That is so encouraging because what it says is, when you hang on to what God has said, his integrity is bound up in keeping that promise. Do you understand? His integrity, he will not deny himself, even if we deny him. If we are faithless, he remains faithful here. That's where he remains faithful. You can bank, if you believe this word, if you believe this saviour and what he promises for you, and you, you are on a rock at that point. You are, you are safe as houses. The one who stilled the storm is the same one who said, let us go to the other side. And as soon as he gave the word to go across to the other side, that storm became a mere inconvenience. Do you understand? As soon as he said, let us go across to the other side, the storm became a hurdle. They were going across to the other side. His words never fall flat. They never miss the mark. They never remain unfulfilled. If we know him like this, if we know his word like this, well, we might find ourselves asleep at rest in all of life's perils. Amen? Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we are so small and feeble and we are prone to wander and we are prone to take lightly your word. We are prone to think more of ourselves than we ought and less of you. Please have mercy on us and graciously help our eyes to see and our hearts to be truly humble and therefore truly at peace in your almighty goodness. And again, in the name of your dear Son, we pray. Amen.